You're now listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast, straight from the streets of Tokyo. And we ain't talking no sushi temples and shrines and shit, motherfuckers. Live from Tokyo, it's the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast, and we're back with another episode. Absolutely. Tokyo Cliff. Chocolate Buddha in the house. And our guest today is... Well, well, before we get to that, man, where are we? We're in a different part of Tokyo. We're not in Shibuya or Rapongi or anything like that. Let the audience know where we're at, man. Some kind of little, like, away from, you know... Tokyo. Well, what, what it's is, Tokyo within Tokyo. I don't know. Well, what is this area? Ochi. Ochi. Okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Sounds gotcha. familiar because I remember this baseball player named Ochi from the 80s and shit. So <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm giving away my age, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So our guest today is Mr. Lauren Fikes. That's right. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. All right. Thank you for coming out. Thank you. Um, Honestly, we've been trying to catch you for a minute. <laughs> but I, I understand you're a busy man and... Uh, yeah, we're just happy to have you. Absolutely. Um, so tell our audience a little bit about yourself, just a short introduction. Sure. Um, I guess the, the funniest thing about myself is that I tell people I'm from Flint, Michigan, and they go, oh, my God, don't drink the water. Which, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I always have to remind them that, you know, Flint's famous for the water now, but it's always been famous as the worst city in the States, you know. It was, mm. uh, it was on the list of, like, I think the... It's always in the bottom three. It was either Gary, Indiana, gotcha. mm. yeah, I've heard or of Gary. Flint, Michigan. I think I don't know what the other one is, but um, well, it's been at the bottom. You know, I grew up there, uh, and let's see. You know, my father worked for GM. My mom okay. is a registered nurse, and so I guess we were blessed in a way because we were the only family on our street where my father didn't lose his job. Wow! And uh, and that was about fifty families, and you know we. My dad, uh, you know, is a smart man, he's much smarter than I am, and he, you know, he looked after us, and so we ended up moving from that neighborhood and, and you know, moving on, but uh, growing up in Flint was, you know, tough because it was a city that was doing really well okay. for a while, and then kind of went crazy and from 82 onwards. But that kind of, you know, I think a lot of people from Michigan, a lot of people from Flint, you know, grew up in this area where things are kind of crappy, and so, you know, we want to get out of it, see the world, um, we have a good sense of humor, you know, looking things on the bright side. So, um, so grew up in Flint, then went to boarding school at uh, 14. I was kind of bored in the public school system, so I told my mom and dad that I needed to get out of here, you know. Because, you know, it was funny, like, the public school system was, uh, you know, it was a good school, but, you know, you look at the next year's courses, and the courses were like, central themes in American history. I went to teach her, like, what the hell is central themes? Like, <laughs> like, why can't you just teach us American history from from 1500s to now? Why does it have to be, like, the central themes? Like, you're going to say, like, during the 40s, there was, like, a war. I mean, what are you going to, you know, how are you going to explain that? So um, I told my parents I wanted to go to a different school and then went to boarding school, ended up going to college in Boston at Harvard, and then ended up sort of being fascinated by Asia and, you know, which we probably talk about a little bit later, but yeah. but then you know, traveling. So that's kind of like you know my background. You know, Michigan, Flint, 
then you know Boston, and then you know Japan, sort of the big, the big three steps, I guess. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I got a good friend in Boston, uh, my brother Todd. What's up, Todd? If you're listening, um, h- how was Harvard? Harvard's uh, so you know it wasn't my first choice, which is kind of funny. Um, my first choice was Stanford, which I got into, but my my mom and dad, my dad, was like, "Your ass ain't gonna go like you know." where I have to fly to, you know, to, to kick your ass. Like, if I have to get on the plane to kick your ass, you know, it's yeah. too far. So he wanted to have me within arm's reach somewhere. He actually didn't even want me to go to the East Coast, but, um, but you know, I insisted. And so it was kind of like, you know, being closer to home. Harvard has this reputation of being, you know, elite or, you know, you know really difficult. But when I got there, the, the funny thing about it was that you know, it's really you know, a group of bright young people. You know, I was really impressed. You know, a lot of the people that I met, they, even though I don't get along with them, say, as friends, or they might have different political inclinations than I have, you know, I have to say that, you know, my class, a, you know, a bright group of people. And, and so the first thing I would say is that my peers were, you know, were impressive people. And then the other thing is that, the, the the university itself has a lot of money, so you know there are just endless amounts of resources. So you know, I it really showed me that if you have access to resources and which comes through money or through connections, and then you have um, people who are your peers in terms of intelligence or talent and compassion, say you know whatever you tend to excel in, if you can find your peers then you can really um, thrive. And so I think that, you know, Harvard was good because it had a good group of uh, diverse, it's diverse as well, mm. you know, and uh, and it's uh, it's got a lot of, it gives you a lot of space to grow if you, if you take advantage of that. So I, I don't have any any complaints about Harvard. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what, what led you to Japan, actually? Well, now we can get into Asia, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no, so that's, so when I was, you know, my high school was a, so I'm kind of lucky, right? Because, um, you, get, you know, if you look at my stuff from the outside, it might look like I was just, you know, I grew up really rich or I grew up with like, you know, silver spoon in my mouth kind of thing because I went to a boarding school that was $10,000 a year back in the 80s, right? Which is a lot of money. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back then, um, and, you know, my dad used to scream about it, like, you know, it's a lot of money, of course. And, you know, and all the people that I went to high school with were super rich. You know, they were, it's Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, which is like, you know, the, the richest community in the United States with Greenwich and Bel Air. So the people that I went to high school with were... Um, no worries. Were, um, were they, you know, the, the executives of GM's sons and daughters. And, you know, and they, they got Porsches and brand new cars when they turned 15 years old for their birthday. You know, I grew up with people who were like really, really wealthy at, in high school. So, you know, when I, and, and so the high school, because it was so wealthy, we had access to a lot of stuff. So we, we had all these uh, different religious classes. And so I studied this Indian religions course um, in, 11th, in 11th grade. So I learned about Ganesh and the Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita and, yeah. I read, you know, read all of that and, and cried and thought, oh my God, these people are amazing. You know, they, um, so, you know, it was really funny, like, you know, the story with Arjuna and, uh, and Krishna, you know, the, the guy, he's fighting his brother across the pla- uh, plateau, you know, they're about the, they're brothers and they're fighting and, and the charioteer's uh, assistant says, you know, why are you, why are you fighting your brother? 
And he goes, you know, they have this big long dialogue and the, and the assistant uh, reveals himself and it's like Krishna. It's like the big reveal, like, yeah, I'm the eyes of all eyes, I'm the ears of all ears. And the brother's like, the prince is like, oh my God, it's like the God, you know, it's Krishna. So, I mean, I was fascinated by like uh, East Asia and India. And I knew that, you know, I always say to people that I was born black, taught white and learned yellow. So, mm. you know, like mm. for me, it was about getting out of this kind of black, white uh, dichotomy. Mm. This kind of, you know, America is all about black and white. You know, the other groups, you know, they don't really get a lot of play. Um, so I wanted to break out of that. I wanted to see a different part of the world that didn't have that, that focus. And so Asia was sort of the answer to that. And, and India gave me a, a taste of that. So when I was um, 11, 12, we went to an exhibition called China 5,000 Years of Discovery. And, uh, and that's, that kind of sort of wet my appetite, right? And then high school. And then, you know, so I, I had decided already by when I was 12 years old, 11 years old, I was going to study Chinese. Like I decided when I was 11. And then when I got to Harvard, Japan is number one, like the late 80s. The economy of Japan was booming. It was like the second largest economy. They thought it was going to overtake the American economy. Japanese were buying up large tracts of land in America and New York City. Yes. So China was not it. It was Japan. So I was like, oh, my God, I was going to do Chinese, but Japan is more popular. So what I did is I, I said, I'll just leave it up to fate. I'll flip a coin. Heads was Japanese. Tails was Chinese. I flipped a coin because I thought, like, no matter which it was, mm. I would be happy. Exactly. Yeah. So... It came up Japanese. I did Japanese for two years. Then I got mad because I wanted to study Chinese. So I did both oh, wow. Japanese and Chinese. And well, I, I know you're a pretty good Japanese speaker, but you yeah, speak Chinese? I speak Chinese as well, yeah. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, so not, not as fluent as my, my... My Japanese is fluent, right? Okay, yes. But my, but my Chinese, I can like... You know, I know the basics. I, I did it for three years, so... Yeah, um, yeah so you know... the, um, So it was like basically sort of, you know... Um, you know, East Asia focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you yeah. know the language, the characters, yes, the sensibility, the aesthetics. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's completely different. So, and human, right? You know, there's a part that we share and a part that's different. So that was kind of what motivated me. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, um, I guess well said introduction and. Uh, but, you know, we brought Lauren on to talk about... Oh, before you go there, for all you Chinese people, if you're up around this brother, don't talk no <laughs> shit around him because he might cuss you out in your own language. <laughs> right. Anyway, go ahead, well, my brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we brought uh, Lauren on to talk about uh, LGBT in Japan. Right. And you are a gay man. That's right. And so, you know, this is something that this is a topic that I, I really thought was interesting. Uh, I I followed it more so in the states, but Japan, I'm I'm just starting to kind of get get to know what's going on, and um, I'm I'm also in your 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 group, your That's Facebook right. group. Mm -hmm. uh, so talk a little bit about your because uh, you also have a nonprofit organization. That's right. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about that. So yeah, you know, I, I didn't really think of myself as an activist. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, I'm just someone who gives a shit. And also, I get angry faster than other people. So, like, okay. that's kind of what made me an activist. Because I give a shit and I get angrier faster. And I stay yeah. angrier longer. So yes. I think, you know, that kind of gives me the energy to fight. You know, mm. my, my partner always says to me, you know, part of the reason why you might be an activist is because, you know, 
you try to get your way all the time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and if you if you fight that hard to get your way, then you you're pretty good at being an activist. You know, I think mm. that's partly true. But um, the group is called Fruits and Suits, and uh, Fruits and Suits Japan. And you know, the fruit if you call someone a fruit, you know, it's like a faggot kind of thing. You know, it's a pejorative term. And I was gonna ask you, I really wanted to ask you about that because I was like, wow, that's interesting because I thought that was, I've always known that to be derogative. Yeah. You know? So why did you name it? Yeah, so I didn't name the group. So okay. the group is, it's an Australian group. Um, okay. I mean, I used to live in Sydney. Okay. And I was there for about four years. And, and in Sydney, the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Business Association, um, which basically is like a, a chamber group for businesses that catered to the LGBT community. They had a mixer every month called Fruits and Suits. So they took the name Fruit and tried to possess it and turn it around to make it, you know, something like they could own, right? You know, it's like the way black people use it. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. It's sort of like, you know, we're going to own it. We're not going to let people use it the way they want to use it. So it was the same thing. Hmm. And uh, so when I was in Sydney, I went to this mixer. It was pretty amazing. Like, I had gone to the bars and I talked to people, but the mixer introduced me to other businessmen and women. Um, you know, I met, you know, other professionals who are, you know, doing stuff. And I thought, wow, you know, because you, the thing is, you know, even with the straight world, you know, you go out to a bar, people are trying to get some, right? So, you know, the, the whole interaction mm -hmm. is about how can I make myself look good? What do I say? You know, and it's all about that first impression and looks and all that. But like this business mix, it was all about like, you know, what do you do? You know, what kind of business do you own? And, you know, what help do you need for your business to grow and this kind of stuff? So it wasn't the main starting point of the conversation was about whether I, you know, want to get into your past, but like, you know, what career do you have? And so I made friends. When I came back to Japan, there was nothing like this uh, five years ago. There were a couple of guys from New York who were doing it informally. They called it Fruits and Suits too, and they were doing it like just getting together every month just for drinks. But I kind of wanted it to be a place where people could go to, to you know, Japan is... You know, you've got the language barrier, you've got the cultural barriers, because, you know, God knows, like, you know, I've been here a total of 17 years, and I still feel lost sometimes, even though I speak the language fluently, sometimes I don't know what the fuck people are talking about, like, you know, at the office, you know, like, it's not yes or no, it's... And they don't know either. Like, they, you know, that's why they fall asleep in meetings, because they don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> so, so, you know... It, it's hard because the language is so vague and everything's always supposed to be left to, you know, you're supposed to kind of kukio yoma, read so, the air and all that. So, oh like, man. you know, so it's tough for Japanese people, too. But main point is that came back, there was no, um, no place to gather outside the bars. And the Japanese and the non-Japanese community were kind of separate. So, you know, there were parties that the Japanese men and women were having. But they were like invitation only. You had to know someone Japanese, you know. And Japanese people aren't like they're not going to just invite some non-Japanese person usually. And, and no offense to people who are Japanese who are listening to this, but you know, it's really, you know, like Japanese people are known for going out of their way to be friendly and like try to, you know. Right, right. <laughs> they are they are civil. They are hospitable. They are completely polite and nice. But I wouldn't call them friendly. Like I wouldn't say like the culture. It's friendly. Like, you're not going to get invited. Come over to my house for dinner sometime. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. It's yes. not going to happen. At least the way that, you know, Americans traditionally think of as friendly. Right, yes. right. So, you know, 
these uh, and people stick to their communities, their their nakama, right? Yeah. Who they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, if you're not part of the nakama, you're not going to get that invite to that party, that yeah. that gay party type of thing. So a lot of the Japanese men were having parties, but like they were invita invitation only. So my my thing was like, I'm going to do something that is inclusive. Anybody can come. It's open, men, women, straight, gay, trans, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, non-binary, X, you know, confused, I don't know yet, you know, yes. whatever. So um, so I started it four years ago, and I guess it was the right place at the right time. We ended up getting like 80 people at the first event, mm. and, uh, and it just kind of took off from there because I think, you know, it was something that was missing here. And, you know, and, and the theme of... You know, we decided to bring someone who's doing activist work. A lot of the stuff in Japan is all in Japanese. So I said, hey, come, talk about your stuff. I'll help you translate it. I'll help you get the message across. So, you know, we kind of brought the non-Japanese and Japanese community together and kind of helped people to understand what was going on. So I think that's kind of um, why it, it took off. You know, and people had a place to go to sort of learn, meet new people and... That cool. kind of thing, so. All right. Um, we, we're going to come back to the LGBT situation in Japan, but I, I wanted to kind of, I guess, learn about at what point did you uh, come out? Think or, I was or, gay. Or thought you were gay, yeah. Yeah, well, like, I've never had any coming out issues. Okay. Like, you know, I never, and maybe that's, my, and also I should give credit to my parents, right, because... You know, when I told my mom and dad, okay, my mom was kind of crazy because moms are crazy. Moms, yes. Moms are crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. I could have told my mom that I, like, I had, like, a blue penis, and she would have been like, <laughs> why? I, you know, I, you know, I did not give birth to a blue penis. What happened to it? You know, like, you know, like, you know. I fed you collard greens and <laughs> exactly. cornbread. Exactly. Why is your penis blue? Like, Michael you know. thing blue, boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, moms are crazy because, like, they think it's their fault. Like, yeah. Right, know, right, right. Like something they did, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, mom, is a, this is not about you. It's not what you did. You know, but my father, on the other hand, was, like, amazing. My father... First thing he said to Which me... Which is still kind of surprising, though. Yeah. That is uh, yeah. from a black father, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, well, you know, as I said, my father's smarter than me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that uh, he showed it. Um, and he the first thing he said to me, this was back in 1993, first thing he said to me is, like, are you safe? Because he was, like, well aware of, of HIV and and the whole safe sex thing and everything. And he was worried about my, my sexual health. So the first thing he said is, like, are you safe? Because, you know, I don't want you dying on me in two or three years. And I just was surprised that he even, like, like <laughs> yeah. knew about it. Like, you yeah. know, or even, like, had the... Like, I, I didn't expect it him to like, even... like he was prepared. <clears throat> yeah, like, or, like, yeah. Even, yeah. even though he didn't expect it, but... That's he, right. You know. And, like, you know, just, like, how would he, you know... So, and then the second thing he asked me was, um, are you happy? Which also, you know, sort of surprised me because he was thinking about my happiness. And the third thing he said to me was that, you know, well, you know, I'm your father... So I worry about you. So I would prefer you not to wear your sexuality on your sleeve. Like, you don't have to go around parading it and telling everyone about it because you're already a black man. You know, being black and gay is like a double whammy. You know, I don't know how people will treat you. If you can be discreet, be discreet. Like, you don't have to, like, you know. So, you know, I think that's, you know, a parent is going to be worried about their children. Of so, course. you know, I think, you know... I didn't get angry at him for saying that, you know, I just thought, okay, he's worried that, you know, people will be out to hurt me if they have something against me. Right. But the thing is, I took that advice as I'm going to wear it a little bit because 
if you let anyone think that you are unhappy or, or ashamed of any part of yourself, they will smell that shit and use it against you. Absolutely. So I have never let my sexuality be uh, something that I'm ashamed of. You know, if anything, I guess being black in America is something that's harder to deal with that in some ways we can feel ashamed of. You know, that's what the black community has struggled with, you know, yes. and, and particularly me being in an, you know, an all-white environment from, like, middle school, even younger, even elementary school, I, I lie, elementary school, you know, you, you know, being the all, only black person in the room can give you those feelings of being ashamed, you know, more so than the gay thing, you know. So I had to get over both of those things, you know, in a mm -hmm. way, like getting over being, I wasn't ashamed of being black, but getting over, like, you know, being the only black person in the room and then being yes. the only gay person in the room, it's like, shit, like, you know, like, <laughs> why do I have to be, like, the only one yeah. always, you know, yeah. where are the other people like me, you yeah. know? And uh, so that was kind of hard. You, you, know? you know, it's it's interesting that you, you say you wear it on your sleeve and you're proud of your sexual identity. And I, I don't want to go too deep into this because this is about you, but, like, I, I'm an atheist. Right. And, but I, I don't, I guess I don't, I, I don't, I don't have that approach with it because, I don't know, I just think, you know, a lot of atheists are just, like, in your face. And right. it becomes a little bit too much. So, most people probably don't know I'm an atheist. But if you ask me, right. I, I'll, I'll be happy to tell you, yeah. you know? So, that, that's how I've always kind of... Yeah, no, but, exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's a little bit, it's, it's like the, it's like the sister of don't ask, don't tell. Exactly. Right. You know, exactly. Like, like exactly. if you ask, I'll tell. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Because I do. I think. I think you. You. You make the same sort of. I guess you could call it a quote. Say it was harder being black than being gay when you were. I think it was with Bay McNeil. That's right. That's right. 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 And I was like, man, that's a cool little quote, and it's probably some truth to it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And you know, it is because you know, I think, and also being black is more fun than being gay sometimes mm -hmm. because you know, like, black culture is more. You know. You feel more at home in a way, you know. The, the white gay community in the states, and this is a big topic now, you know, like the the, the, the racism in, in the LGBT yes. community, and then the, the transphobia and all this stuff. You know, right. people are you know still dealing with this. Um, mm. But you know, I, as I said, I didn't I didn't really have. I'm lucky that I didn't feel. I think that's because of my parents. My parents told me, but you know, so one of the things my father and mother always said to me and us, like my, my brothers, is that don't compare yourself to other fucking people. So, you know, we'd, we'd be outside playing. And like, this, you know, our rule was like when the streetlights come on, you have to come in the house. Even in the summer, they would come on at like 8 o'clock. But, you know, it was still light until 9.30. We had to be in the house. And I would go in the house and say, like, you know, kids are still out playing. Parents, that's them kids. That's mm -hmm. their parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't compare yourself to them. Mm -hmm. This is our house, our values, our rules. I don't want to hear what other kids, parents, and rules are. That's not, that's not, like, don't ever compare yourself. I don't hear your fucking comparisons. That was, like, a thing. So, like, right. so, you know, like, even with grades or with um, rules or values, we, we just taught never to compare ourselves to other people. So, I, I, you know, so I'm not very competitive in a way because, you know, I that's don't... It's a good thing. Yeah, you know, I don't really look at, like, what the Joneses are doing, what someone else is doing. You know, I mean, a little bit, of course. 
But, you know, I don't have a strong competitive streak. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's sort of like, kind of funny you mentioned that, because my grandma used to say, well, they can do what they do, but they ain't taking his ass whooping for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that talk about, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they jumped into a river of shit, would you jump in behind them? No, exactly. no, ma'am. That means you got sense and you don't listen. I go grab that belt. I'm like, yeah, they ain't taking the ass whooping for me, but... You know, it's kind of funny you mention that also because I'm reading, I'm, I'm getting deeper into the eight limbs of yoga yeah. and, and things like that. And they talk about the ego. They talk about the competitive nature. That's right. And I think, the, I think competition should only be in sports. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're doing sports or one-on-one or, you know, with some sort of other game type thing, yeah, right, compete, right, right. right? But, like, if you're trying to make your life, mm-hmm. yes. which is, you know, like, why would you compete trying to make your life? Right. It's you so know, stressful. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for yeah, me, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, it took, it took me a long time to, to even get to the point where I could be comfortable saying that I don't need to compete to make my life, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm 50 years old and, um, you know, and it took me 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't look 50, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sure don't. But. Yeah, that's because I'm gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, because I don't see no gray hair in you. Exactly. That's yeah. all down below now. <laughs> Fist bump, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, now your parents were very supportive. Uh, how were your friends and people around you, other people around you? Yeah, and... yeah. My So, you know, I came out, I guess, for the first time in college. So I told my, you know, I had three guy roommates and, you know, and they were always talking about girls and stuff like that, you know. And I thought, you know, should I tell them? Should I tell them? And I thought, you know, I can't be dishonest, misrepresent myself. You know, these people are supposed to be smart anyway. So I just, you know, I was in the room with my, my, my roommate Rob, Carney, and uh, we were talking about stuff. You know, I think Rob is kind of switched on, so he kind of knew. So I said, Rob, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gay. He's like, yeah, I, I figured you might be. And he kind of snickered. And I was like, why are you snickering? He goes, you know, because now we can talk about dick, too. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Rob. <laughs> so, yeah. But you my- know, you, you made me think of... So, let me go back a little bit. I... Okay, I, I'll say this first. I, I have a friend who came out. Right. Okay. And it was... So I'm, I'm on Facebook one day, and, you know, I sent him an instant message. He was actually in Australia at the time. I, be, I believe it was Sydney. And so, I, you know, I hit him up. I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? Um, how's Australia? I was like, how's the women? And he's like, I was like, don't tell me you turned gay, right? I, I was just joking. <laughs> and then he sends me a message back, and he's like, well, what if I am? <laughs> and I was like, I'm just sitting looking at the computer screen like, all right, well... I said, I typed and said, if you are, then it's cool, you know, right. nothing's going to change. And then he's like, yeah, well, I am gay. And I was just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, mama. <laughs> but uh, the, I said that to say that um, after that, I, I'm very accepting. I, I was accepting at that moment. Um, but before, and I'm sure Buddha could agree yeah. with me, um, I was very homophobic. Okay. Uh, I, I come from, you know, Brooklyn, New York. I come from a very urban black and Latino community. Right. That's all I knew. Um, Hyper-masculine. So, hyper, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, all of that, you know, and, and that's what, you know, I grew up in the hip-hop culture, and that's what hip-hop is. Hip-hop is anti-gay. Yeah. And um, I would say that how I started opening up to gay people, 
um, I was actually I actually worked in the village in New York City, uh, Greenwich Village, and I worked at a hotel there, and I would see a lot of gay people all the time. I've even been approached, um, and I, I just guess at some point I, I just accepted people for who they are, and I, I think I think once I and this kind of goes with my I guess going away from religion and everything, just right. uh, I guess assessing all of my beliefs. Right. And that's where it starts. Yeah, yeah, and that's where it starts. Assessing on all my beliefs, being around gay people, but but you know, like there were moments where, you know, like a gay guy could say, "Oh, hey, you got nice shoes," and I would I would just take that the wrong way. Like, what do you mean I got nice shoes? You know, what do you mean I got a nice haircut? I don't get down like that, dog. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we, we just we just had this. Uh, we had this very. Yeah, this venomous like reaction, yeah, this resistance. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, the you know? resistance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we're you know like for myself, I was I was raised in you know deep South Southern conservative religious yeah. th- people, and they didn't go for that. But I, I was you know I grew up that way, and I'm around the macho guys and this that and the other. And when I was working at a nightclub in Rapungi. 20 years ago, I was a bouncer part-time and I'm meeting all these celebrities, right? You know, American celebrities and this, that, and the other. And so on every third Sunday, they would have gay and lesbian night. And so we would close at 5, and we'll stick around at 5.30 to get all the people out safely and everything, right? You know, a couple of bouncers and stuff. I was like, me and my man Joe be like, yo, dog, uh, we're going to hurry up and get out of here at 525 and this, that, and the other. So the gay people start trickling in earlier, right? And so this one brother, I'm going to make a long story short, right? Because I was feeling nervous around him. And this one brother, yoked, built like a linebacker, had a nipple ring and everything. <laughs> this one brother, I mean, no neck. We're talking about massive, right? He came over to me like, excuse me, bro. <laughs> I know you feel strange around us, but we know you ain't our type. We can feel that energy, all right? So just calm down, brother, and just like, all right, cool. And then after a while, you know, and then, you know, of course, I was a Buddhist. Yeah. And I asked, that was one of the questions I asked when I was joining. You know, you probably heard of the Soka Gakai, right? Yeah. And so uh, one of the questions I asked was, how do you guys feel about homosexuality? And they said, they're human. Right. We love all humans. So there's nothing wrong with them. It's yeah, love. Right. And I was like, wow. And then the more I became, I started getting, you know, doing research, looking into things. I was like, yeah, what's wrong with love? Yeah. I'd rather see two guys love each other than starting a fight or going out, you know, robbing or doing a drive-by or something like that. So, yeah. yeah so and after a while, good. I slowly started accepting people for people. Yeah. You know, regardless of race, you know, and everything like that. So, And, and it's not to like, for me, it's not to uh, uh, make it about or, or point out black culture or the culture I grew up in mm-hmm. because I think but sometimes you have to get up out of that culture you were you were raised in mm. and it, it could just be American culture it's not necessarily black culture it could be it could be any culture any culture any culture will give you rules exactly and beliefs that you don't necessarily question exactly right and so you grow up with those beliefs and then you internalize them and then that and what happens is that beliefs affect your behavior so there's a book uh, I'm going to plug Vishen right now. It's called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. Mm. And I read this book last year and it changed my life. I mean, it's exactly what you say about how you had to assess your beliefs. He talks about that. And uh, because if you want to change your life, you have to change your beliefs. You cannot, you cannot change your life unless you change your beliefs. And the thing is because you, you will behave based on how you believe. If you believe that if I don't have 
like the hottest body, I'm not gonna get laid. Or if you believe that if I have a lot of money, girls are just trying to like get my money, this type of thing, then you're gonna behave in a way that reflects that. Absolutely. And and you're gonna attract that kind of energy and those people, and you're gonna be stuck in that kind of fucked up warp hole, right? So the thing is, your beliefs are like the hardware, and what you do and how you behave is the software. Yes. You can't run good software on shitty hardware. So you need to change the like hardware. Like the way you put that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So you didn't, um, I guess, in your college days or even days after that, you didn't, you've never been subjected to any, like, violence or, like, uh, for, you know, because yeah. you were gay, yeah, anybody but, tried to attack you? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, I mean, I've been mugged, uh, you know, a couple times. Okay. I don't know whether, I think one was racism, like, more of the, like, they thought I was Algerian. It was in Paris. Um, you know, I haven't had any sort of, like, I've had, I haven't really had any sort of gay, not that I can remember, you know, I mean, okay. you know, but I think that's because, you know, like, being African-American, right, being black, you know, I think that, like, the, I think people see the black first, right, so, you know, they don't, they're not really, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, like, I come across, I mean, I'm walking down the street, I'm like a black man to people first. So, you know, the, the anti-gay thing it hasn't happened to me, I don't think, mm -hmm. because of that. Uh, you know, even, uh, you know, of course, you know, I've been around anti-gay slurs and I've seen and I've said something, but I haven't been the, the I haven't the received the brunt force of, yes. a, mm -hmm. of an anti-gay attack. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, going back to Japan here and... Um, your nonprofit organization, Fruits and Suits, Japan or Tokyo? Japan is the name of the group. Okay. And Fruits and Suits Tokyo is the name of the community page. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Um, talk a little bit more about that group and what, what are you guys doing? Um, yeah. So forward the movement. Yeah. So the, as I said in the beginning yeah. earlier, that the the first aim of the group was to <clears throat> bring people together mm -hmm. of all kind, inclusive, and then. And then like, inform them, to give them some idea of what, what people are doing here in Japan. Because, you know, I think, as I say, you know, a lot of the information is in Japanese. People can't read it or access it, don't understand. And Japanese people aren't so good at doing PR and, you know, and talking about what they do because they're kind of, you know, more humble and more modest and they don't do all that. So, um, you know, trying to get these people to talk about themselves more and get people to listen more. And so that was the original aim. After doing it for four years now, we're, in our, we're entering our fifth year. Um, you know, we we talk. We have over two thousand members now, so we're not, we're the largest LGBT professional group in the country. Okay. Um, and so, and we have a mentoring program. We 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 mentor LGBT youth and university students, recent graduates, university students. A lot of times now, you know, the whole LGBT thing is not even really LGBT anymore for a lot of like a lot of the young kids. They're saying stuff that I don't even understand, like ex-gender, non-binary, you know, yeah. this kind of stuff. Asexual. <clears throat> Asexual, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff changing. A lot of people, a lot of younger people are feeling more fluid and, and don't want to identify with one mm -hmm. gender or the other and or one sexuality or the other. So there's a, a lot more going on now. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, but for the group, my aim is sort of <clears throat> LGBT community development uh, and then... Also, connecting people, and and then finally, uh, fundraising. So when I say LGBT community development, what I mean is that we are trying to lift people up in the community who happen to identify as LGBT. 
my background is in entrepreneurship and in, uh, and in uh, start, you know, helping others and starting businesses. I've done three startups. Um, I, I used to work in television. I, I did investment banking for the uh, first part of my career then shifted from investment banking to the corporate development side of, of like Time Warner and, and Viacom MTV networks. I did all the MTV and Nickelodeon deals in Asia and then, then, and then the corporate strategy and development for Time Warner in Asia, all of Asia. And then, and then sort of, so, you know, having that kind of background of doing deals and, and, do, and building businesses, um, I decided to jump ship into my own business. So, <clears throat> excuse me, so yeah. doing that. Yeah, have some water. Yeah, let me have some water. Yeah. Um, you know, so doing, um, starting businesses and, and helping people to sort of see their dream come true in a way. That was uh, my aim, and so I. So the group is um, we're doing a LGBT Chamber of Commerce, which will be you know LGBT owned businesses and LGBT friendly businesses to work together to help share how to grow their business, to increase their customer base, and their branding and that type of stuff. So that's the first main uh, objective of the group going forward is to start the chamber. Great. and support young LGBT entrepreneurs. The other part that we want to do is the mentoring, which is helping young people to feel comfortable with who they are. And then the third thing is the events that we do on a regular basis. We have an event every two months, and we try to bring people together because if we bring people together, they'll talk and, and do their shit and figure things out for themselves, and, and those connections will help people grow as well. So that's kind of like what the group is you know trying to do but the, you know I, I think after four years you know we were seen as a, just a social group and then last year we decided to do the mentoring program and now we're doing the chamber so you know I think you know as we get older um, you know the mission to really develop the community to help these people grow their businesses um, is kind of the direction we're, we're headed how um, do you guys have a, a, a lot of non LGBT Allies. Yeah, we have okay. about, you know, so the makeup of the group is about, uh, i just looking at Facebook, the, the Facebook group and then the offline group, you know, we have, yeah, a, which I'm in the Facebook group. Yeah, so. yeah. It's, so we have the Facebook group is, is heavily male. It's like 70 percent male, 30 percent female. Uh, and uh, and then about 60 percent non-Japanese and 40 percent Japanese. And I think my estimate, I don't know, because we don't ask people their sexuality when they join the group. My estimate is about, you know, 20 to 30% of the people in the group are, are straight. Okay. So, and we have 1,400 people on the Facebook group. Then we have another 700 people, mail addresses and connections and stuff, offline. Okay. Mm. Um, so, about 2,100 people. Mm -hmm. So, it's quite, you know, it's quite big, you know. Um, mm. uh, you know, the only other group that is as big as as we are, is Stonewall Japan, which is the other big gay group. Yes. And they're more uh, kind of a, a resource and information hub for LGBT people. You know, like friendly, uh, online, social community. Okay. Whereas we're more, <clears throat> as I said, business-focused. We want to help entrepreneurs. Okay. okay. Yeah. Now, speaking of the business, right, uh, you, you say you were helping... Uh, you know, you're a place for LGBT business people. And is there any challenges in a, in a being uh, gay or lesbian and owning a business in Japan? Or 
would that is that's that a good that's a good question right yeah. right because I, I when i was listening to you i was like okay they're having their chamber of commerce and this so maybe people aren't accepting of them or yeah yeah could you could you elaborate please yeah i think so what we were talking about before we started was that uh this kind of you know so japan is so here's the society part so your your question has brought us to like japan society. yeah mm-hmm. I, I was mm-hmm. i was gonna go into that soon but he brought yeah, us no, he into brought, it. Yeah, yeah exactly so, cool. so you know, Japan because it's a it's a it's a it's basically don't ask, don't tell. In Japan, people are private to begin with, kind of. So they're yes. like, I don't need to hear your shit. I'm not gonna talk about mine. Pretty much. Yep. So you know, it's like that whole hone tatemae. Yep. That thing. So, so gay is just part of that in a way. Like I don't need to know that you're gay. Yep. But the problem is that <clears throat> you know you can't be yourself. In certain circumstances, even though Japan tries to pretend that they don't need to know if you're gay or not, they'll be the first person to ask you, are you married, after you've worked at the company for like three weeks, or talk about whether you're married, or, you know, or, you know, they have, uh, you know, people are nosy here, Mm. um, you know, (laughs) and so, you know, as private as they say they are, they're, they're, they're nosy, and if your life doesn't fit into the the patterned way of thinking about things, yes. then you're already like off the the rail, and you know, and, and people can't figure you out, and, and you're kind of like a unknown, foreign, joke. yeah, foreign thing, yeah. yeah. So I think that to answer your question, you know, if you were going to do any business that was, you know, catering towards the LGBT community, where there were sexual health services or branding and clothing mm. that type of thing you know you would you would not probably see favorable treatment i think it's really hard for japanese people because they're under an extreme amount of pressure to conform and to be the same as everybody else absolutely as non-japanese people we have the flexibility to kind of say, say fuck you yes. right to yes. being japanese yes. they say fuck uh, fuck you to us because they never let us in but that gives us some freedom to be who we are in the first place. And you hit the nail on the head because that's, I I think the longer I'm here, the longer I'm outside of America, the longer I'm in Japan, I, I, I'm i more, I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm embracing being outside the box, I guess, so to speak. Right. Because if I go back to America, yeah, I can fit in, but I've been here a while and I've been different other, other countries, so my experiences make me a little kind of off-key or outside the box. But then yeah. when I come here, it's the same thing. I'm not Japanese, so I'm kind of just existing outside this box. That's but right. I, but I'm, I'm embracing it the more and more. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like you said, we, we can be f- who we want to be, and we can be free and that's speak right. up. And, and they'll just say right. other Japanese will speak between themselves. Oh, they're guy jeans. You yeah, know, man. that's right. That's, you right. Know, that's, yeah. <laughs> so, that's the way they act. That's right. Yeah, so I think yeah. embrace the, the outside-the-box thing, right, yeah. a little bit. And... And use it to your advantage. And I think that, like I said, I think it's hard for, I mean, I, you know, you look at people who grew up here who are Japanese and people who are half, you know, Japanese. And, you know, like I said, there are just a lot of pressures. And, you know, like you have to be a certain way. And, and the people who aren't that way, you know, you know, leave Japan or, you know, yes. become surfers or, you know, like, you know like <laughs> open a coffee shop somewhere. And, and you know, you know, every Italy coffee, or somewhere yeah, there. every, every coffee shop owner, every little Every little coffee shop owner in Tokyo is someone who said, fuck you to society. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> fuck you, I'm not your salary, man. Exactly, I'm not your salary, yeah. man. Yeah, right, exactly. right, right, right. So, so like Dane Baldwin said, I'm not your Negro. That's man. right, that's oh, right. Oh, okay. Which is where we, 
we met at the uh, James Baldwin. The, yeah, yeah, the screening. I'm not sure they grow. Yeah, shout out to Baye McNeil. Yeah, yeah. so I, you know, I think that. Uh, it, I, so my point to answer your question, but mm-hmm. more directly, is that I think for a Japanese person, it's hard to be anything but the like the the paradigm of what it means to be Japanese. If you deviate from that in any way, you've got to sort of justify it in some way. You've got to either have performed amazingly well you know you don't get the freedom to be different unless you've done something amazing in japan sell a million copies yeah and then and then you have the freedom to be a little bit like out of the box Mm. yeah um so i think it's hard for to be to be openly it's really hard to be openly gay in japan and to do and to do anything in fact there's a just to add a little one little touch point on that densa did a study and asked employees like what they thought about different parts of things being gay whatever you know and uh i think 70 percent of the male japanese salary men who were surveyed for this said they would feel disgust if they knew or found out that one of their male colleagues was gay Mm. so you know that's a high number yes and then if you look at some of the other statistics like teachers you know like something like 25 percent of the teachers don't even know how to deal with a student who who might be gay and and fifteen percent don't even want to teach it. Think it's like a horrible thing to teach, and and you know in high school, you know sexuality. Uh, Which goes, what makes me think about, and I won't say her name, but that one politician who that's right. made that comment about LGBT being uh, unproductive, right? That's right. Yeah, members of society, yeah. Japanese politician. Yeah, she comes from this vein. Uh, this is the whole special rights vein, right? Mm-hmm. You know, LG, gay people want uh, to be treated. You know, and they have special favors, you know, why, why do they need, you know, if they don't get married and don't have children, why do they need, why do they uh, have to devote tax dollars to them because they don't have children, right? Yes. That's kind of like the yes. basis for the argument. Yes. But, you know, I pay fucking taxes too. Yeah. So, you know, taxes, tax dollars should go towards things that help people that are in my community. I don't think that, and not all women have kids either. So, exactly. what, you got to do like round up all the women that's are. what that's what made me think about even myself. <laughs> I don't have any kids. Yeah. Am I am I unproductive? Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know what I'm saying? That's so, right. Yeah. So anyway. it's kind of you know, it's a very juvenile argument. Yeah. Um and I mean, I think that you can make a case if you want to talk about people, you know, being productive, you know, why don't you define, uh, give a better definition exactly. of what that means? I think that's why she took a lot of heat. I mean, also being, you know, she's just you know, it's just a stupid comment. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, when I'm on Facebook, I see you guys posting in the group, uh, Fruits and Suits Tokyo. Um, and and I, I check out a lot of the articles that you guys post. And uh, there was one about, uh, I guess it's an NPO called uh, Rebit. Rebit, yeah. yeah. Rebit, I love them. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell our audience what that is? Because I thought it was really cool. Yeah, so Rebit is run by Mika Yakshi. And uh, they basically create allied they create toolkits for teachers to teach uh lgbt stuff in the schools so they they really? basically they basically believe that you 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 know in order to change uh prejudice and perception you got to go to the teachers and help them to understand how to teach this and understand it because they're going to have gay kids in the in the schools right mm-hmm. and they're going to and kids are going to talk about this stuff so if they can help the teachers to talk about it um the kids have a better understanding. So that's what they do. They mm-hmm. go around all the schools, train teachers to talk about sexuality, talk about LGBT stuff, and then, and then 
you know, kids who happen to be gay or lesbian or trans, or whatever, have a teacher that understands. Yes. So, you know, um, yeah, they're great. I mean, I've given money to them. I support them wholeheartedly. I think they're great. Um, I think they're, you know, as I said, if you look at some of the statistics in Japan on uh, what teachers say about LGBT stuff and Momba Show now still doesn't, Momba Kazak Show now. Anyway, they don't allow um, LGBT stuff to be taught in the schools. There's no, no sex education of this in the schools. So Japan is still a little bit behind on, on this issue. I mean, in fact, probably in America, somebody that's not taught in some states either because it's all done on the state level. But Exactly. You know, but, you know, this is kind of the, the problem, right? You know, there are kids who, who are facing these issues and they don't have any resources or anybody to talk to. And I think that's what causes the suicides. Yes. The, the self-hate. Yes. These things, you know, you want, you want to talk to these kids earlier. to Especially make sure they, here. Yeah, Japanese exactly. Kids, that's yeah. right. So, yeah, we, we've given, Fruits in the beginning gave money to a suicide prevention line, hotline. We, have, we invited the, the founder of the Taiwanese suicide prevention hotline to our event a couple of years ago. He spoke at our, our New Year's event about Taiwan because they, they're the first Asian country to legalize same-sex marriage. Oh, okay. Taiwan ruled it unconstitutional to ban same-sex marriage. Wow. So they will be the first country in Asia to have legalized same-sex marriage. Wow. So, um, you know, J- Taiwan is ahead of Japan on, on this curve now. So, okay. you know, Japan needs to get it together. What, what are, like... Uh... I haven't really been following, but I, I, I think some Japanese celebrities are starting to kind of come out now. Uh, a few here and there, not not much. Yeah, else. without saying any names. Yeah, without saying any yeah, names. There but, are, there yeah, there are there are there are a few yeah. people come out. There are a few politicians who have come out. Yes. Um, you know, well, I can Kanako Otsuji, who's a, a lesbian, is um, in the in the diet. She she was one of the first, if not the first, person to come out as a politician. Mm-hmm. So, and then we have. Uh, um, you know, some other people who, you know, Taiga Ishikawa, these people are openly gay. Okay. Taiga Ishikawa, uh, who else is, uh, uh, Kamikawa Aya, who's Setigaya, you know, these people are all openly out in, 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 in public service. Um, but which, there are which is courageous, I think, yeah. you know, for, you know, to do it in this society. <clears throat> That's right. So yeah. I think, you know, we, there's no, I mean, there's so many issues, right? It's, the funny thing about it is, like, why are the laws... Uh, you know, separated so people, you know, you know, people having different experiences. There's a good documentary. It's not just LGBT, but this is the crazy thing. I, this is a documentary done by Hikaru Toda. That's the director. It's called I to Whole, which is love and law. Oh, I, th- I think you posted that, right? Yeah, I went to see it okay, um, on Saturday. That? Really eye-opening because, so you know, did you know that in Japan, maybe you know because you're married and you are too. I'm married, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in Japan, if if if, if you get married, you have to take, you have to put the name in the koseki, right? Mm-hmm. You know? And if if you want to get divorced, if one of the people, uh, one of the parts of the couple don't want to get divorced, mm-hmm. you can't get divorced. It has to be like mutual or something, right? Wow. So then, yeah. yeah I it, I knew that. It, so if, so the man, a husband can refuse to sign the divorce papers, which means a woman the woman can't the wife can't divorce him so they are just separated legally and not really divorced she can't get legally remarried so say she so domestic violence guy's beaten his wife so she runs she tries to get a divorce he refuses to sign the papers for whatever reason she lives somewhere else in Osaka hiding trying to stay away from him because he's beaten her 
she meets another man seven years later, they have another child. That child cannot be put on the koseki. Cannot be put on the koseki of the, of the, of the new father, or because she's still married, she can't even you know, put her child anywhere. So there are 10,000 children, people in Japan, who aren't registered on any koseki. And if you aren't registered on any koseki, you can't get a passport, you can't get a driver's license, wow. you, can't, you can't even take one of the exams to get into college because you, know, you aren't registered in any way. So you're basically like stateless in a way. There are, just because some dumbass wife abuser who's like too proud to divorce his wife because he's, he doesn't want to be seen as having been left or whatever. And this is a, in one case, right, in the movie. You know, there are 10,000 people who don't have any rights. You know, and also the whole Korean situation who, you know, yes. don't have, uh, are also in issues with being Guy Kukujin, yes. even though they have been born and raised here. So, you know, they're, they're, you know, LGBT is one thing, but, you know, there are so many people here that the laws affect that, that people aren't being treated equally. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a travesty. So, yes, you know, so for me, Sorry to go a little bit longer, but, you know, like, it's like, uh, like, that movie really hit me home because there are so many people who experience life, like, like, average, like, 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 the stuff that you think is yes. normal, for so many people, it isn't. Yes. They, they are struggling every day. Can you, I can't even imagine, like, not being allowed to get a passport. You know, so, um, you know, that's kind of crazy. So that, so for me, that's, that's why I do what I do. Because I, 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 want to, I want people to feel like they can live their life as they are in the yeah. same way that other people live their life. Without any of the barriers, any of the... I mean, just get rid of the legal barriers. Fuck the way people are going to treat you. That's another whole story. You know what right, I mean? Like, right, You know, yeah. you're going to get people calling you nigger, faggot, this yeah. and that, whatever, da-da-da, hating you, whatever. Yeah. That... Fuck that. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit about what you think about me. Yes. But I should be able to be, be able, I should be able to do the same things that you are able to do. Exactly. Under the law. Yeah. So. You're paying taxes. Yeah. Like so for me, else, it's huh? like, give me the same legal rights. Mm. I'll deal with your attitude later. Bye. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right, exactly. right. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, we haven't talked much, but just following the movement, the, the organization and following you, I'm just like. I'm just, like, really impressed, man, that you, I mean, you're doing, it's one thing to be an activist, but to also be, like, living in a foreign society, even though I have issues with that foreign <laughs> thing. The longer you live here, right, how foreign yeah, can exactly, you be? Yeah, exactly, yeah, just immigrating. Just yeah, immigrating so, point, yeah. yeah, but I, I really tip my hat to you, man. Um, no, I think, you know, I think, yeah. you know, the whole, everyone, I have this thing. I've been writing this blog post slowly. I haven't written any blog posts for Fruits and Suits. And so as the ED, you know, as executive director, mm. I feel like I need to sort of get the way I think out a bit more. Okay. And uh, so one of the things I talk about, I call it silence, signal, noise. And so it's basically kind of like the, the levels of activism. You know, some people aren't comfortable with their sort of shouting out their identity. And... And, and we all have identities that are, that are complex. We don't see everyone's identity, um, the things that affect them. Someone who, who has cancer, for example, you can't see it on the outside, but it's a strong part of their identity and, and, and informs their beliefs and how they behave. And, and you can't see it, 
you know so how do you how do you treat somebody when there's a part of their identity that you can't see or understand yes. um, you know where we come from you know there are all these things right so so and and some people don't want to basically uh, make the parts of their identity that can't be seen visible they don't want to do that and they yes. don't want to fight for that in some way so there's silence you know and silence is not so great right because you can't really get people to talk about that part of you you can't people can't talk about making things better for for that if they don't know about it exactly. right right yeah <laughs> gotta so, plant those seeds yeah exactly so so signal is the next level where you know you might be having a conversation it's like are you going to bring your like you said with your friend, you know, I hope they, you didn't turn gay. Well, matter of fact, I am. You know? Yeah. You know, that's a bit, that's a louder signal, right? Exactly. But, but, you know, someone says, you're going to bring your girlfriend? You know, well, I, well my, I'm going to bring my boyfriend or, you know, you know that type of thing. Or, you, or you're just talking. You know, I went to a party mm -hmm. last night and I went with my husband. Mm -hmm. Or, you, don't, you know, you just drop something in conversation that's completely natural. Yes. And it's like a signal. Yes. So th that's another way of, uh, like, you know, activist light, if you will, where you mm -hmm. can sort of just be yourself and talk about yourself in a way, whatever your identity is. You know, if you have cancer, you can just say, like, you know, look, you know, I went to chemotherapy last week and, you know, and da -da -da. you know, it's like signaling um, in a way that um, that can keep people to understand that there are. It's out there and it's visible and, and it affects I think people. I, I think I need to give more signals on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> well, not not like as a public post, but um, you ever get like those uh, those chain messages? Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. About, oh yeah, God. I hate that about God and religion. No, I hate and, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like and I told I told parts of my family like <laughs> don't send me that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like if I you just, send me that stuff, I block you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just ignore it. I don't even sending me that shit and your ass sending every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, okay. And then what was the last one? Oh, the noise. The noise. The noise. Yeah. So that's more like the you know the more out activists mm -hmm. you know who's out there protesting, who's you know. Joho Hashim, who's like putting out articles and news and, you know, very vocal. So, you know, and I think everyone is somewhere along there, depending on the part of their identity that they, they want to, you know, so like friends, you know, like the, I'm not like a black activist, right? So I'm kind of like maybe like on the signal level with when it comes to like sort of black rights and things like that. You know, I'm not going to sit back and be silent if yes. something's like affecting the African-American community or the black community, but I'm not sort of activist. Like, I'm not like Baya when it comes to like, yes. you know, like he's, he's noise. Yes, right? yes. And I'm sort of like... Beautiful us. noise, Baya. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Baya. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, you know, and, and the whole blackface thing, that got me riled up. So I, I got a bit noisy when it turned to that issue, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, you can, you can be silent, signaling, noisy, on a whole part of their identity, like LGBT or African American, you could be silent, signaling, or noising on an aspect of it, like blackface within the black thing that you care about. So you can, you know, that's the beauty of being human. You can pick and choose what the fuck you care about, yes. and you can actually say something or not. And I think that that's what makes it great. Like for for me, you know, mm -hmm. Fruits and Suits is tackling one aspect of LGBT culture here, which is the which is like the, the non-Japanese and the Japanese community, how we mix and talk to each other, and also how we help um, young people to, to, to feel themselves and the, to connect with others and how we help them to, to fulfill their dreams and building businesses and things like this. So that, that's, you know, like it's not everything. It's not gay marriage. Mm -hmm. It's not gay diversity, LGBT diversity in the, in the workplace. You know, it's not 
it's not anti-discrimination, it's not suicide prevention, you know, it's, it's one part of it all. Mm -hmm. So you can pick what, what you want to focus on. You don't, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's the great thing about being, um, about caring, you know. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, Absolutely, I, yeah. I, mean, I guess I have one last question for you. Uh, just one last question? One last question. Oh, man. Appreciate your time. Has James Baldwin been any... Oh, damn. I mean, because I, I, I met you at the, the screening, and I can't remember everything you said, but I know you got up, or you, you took the mic, and you gave your thoughts on the film, but you also added in the element of him being a gay man. Yeah. I can't remember what and you said. And which nobody talked about. Exactly. Exactly. So it was just, it I was, was like, just, what? it was just kind of like. It's a film about James Baldwin, and like, yeah. no one's talking about the fact that he's gay. Yeah. And yeah. it's 2018. Yeah. Exactly. So it was like it was just like the perfect moment for you, I think, yeah. you know, as a gay man. So this is this is like you know, so this you hit the nerve. <laughs> I'm sorry. This. No, that's all right. It's <laughs> like you know, like I remember I said earlier, like I didn't know anybody who was like me, right? Yes. You know, and so the first black gay man I met was uh, name is Todd Fletcher. Todd is a dear friend, and I haven't seen him in a long time. He lives in Berlin. But, um, you know, like, long story short is that, you know, when I, we both sang jazz, and when I met Todd, he's a pianist, he's a very talented musician, you know, it was like, you know, we were both at Harvard, both the same class, it's hard to explain, it was just like, like, when I met Todd, I didn't think that he was black, I didn't think that he was gay, but I mean, but I knew that he was, both, and... And he was not afraid to say it either. He said he was, kind of. You know, he was, he was not as brave as me. I, have to, I, was, <laughs> I was kind of brave looking back on it because I didn't give a shit. I don't know why, but yeah. I was like, you know, I was pretty much open about it. Gotcha. But he wasn't as open, but, he, but it was clear that he was. But I, I think that, like, you know, like I didn't, like I said, I didn't think of him as being black or gay or whatever. It was more like, you know, he's another man who's like me, who's like me, and I get him and we understand each other and he became a friend. And so, you know, what I'm trying to say is that um, like I wish I met Baldwin. Yes. Um, I haven't read all of his books. I've read a couple of them. He he grew up in a very different time. So, like my relationship to his his words and his truths are difficult for me because, uh, you know, this is a man who dealt with being black more than with being gay. In yes. a way, yes. or at least chose to tackle that first because he saw it as the thing that that got in his face first. Yes, right. So he he I think you know, and I think you know Baldwin would have said that who I fuck is none of your damn business. <laughs> I think he would have just yeah he flat was raw, out man. said it. Yeah, he he was raw. He yeah, was raw. so I you know, but being black because it's in you know everyone's face becomes everyone's business. And I think that's how he saw it. So I guess, you know, like Baldwin, any, any black gay man, you know, there's a, there's a brothers group here. Do you know about the brothers group? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> there are like about 50, 60 black gay men uh -huh. in this um, secret group. In Japan? Yeah. Okay. And we meet every quarter. Okay. And we, we try to watch a movie. 
okay. I don't know what happens, but the, the main guy puts a movie on, and then everyone talks fucking through the movie. So, like, I don't know, like, you can't even, like, it's like black people, like, gay black people, like, you know, exactly. they got something to say every, every line, like, you know, like, yeah. You you better watch the movie beforehand because otherwise exactly. you won't know what the movie's about. You try to watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, you just not 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 to cut you off, but I've never been around like a group of gay black men. Well, maybe I have, and they didn't say nothing. But anyway, <laughs> probably. Uh, yeah. it, it, are you, do you guys be like? brothers at a barbecue or something like that y'all be talking shit and then, then you know it was like you know yo nigga man you better hand me that cornbread motherfucker you better not take that they last do. piece of sauce. oh, same oh way. man yeah, that's the same thing yeah right right yeah. right so right yeah we have a we have a, a an others night where you can bring somebody so next okay. time they do that i'll invite you guys oh okay, okay. yeah yeah, yeah that'd be cool you can bring, yeah so you can meet the others yeah okay. so um but you know the you know like like I, what i'm trying to say is like you know i never had a relationship but well tyler's my first relationship with another black man mm-hmm. I, I guess i'm a little bit different right you know like i don't feel i don't feel like drawn to any particular race like i i dated a guy named john who was black in uh freshman year mm-hmm. you know my my current partner is armenian you know mm-hmm. um so he looks like you know middle Easternish with long black curly hair so you know i don't know like i i don't you know i'm all over the place with this question but i uh Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, I think... Well, before you go there, love is love. Because I'm married to a Japanese woman. Yeah, And, and you exactly. know love is love. And this, <laughs> and this one sister say, why you marry a Japanese woman? I say, hell, if I'd have met you and you struck me the way she did back in 81, hell, I'd have married your ass seven years later. <laughs> so, you know, love is love, people. Exactly, so, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. My mom, my mom, it's funny, my mm-hmm. mom says shit like this. I think <laughs> black women say shit like that. I should yeah. say, I don't get in trouble. No, <laughs> but my, my mom... Hi, mom. <laughs> exactly. No, I love you, mom, but... But my mom did say, like, you know, what's wrong with all my babies? Because she had three black sons, and none of them married a black woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she was all like, what the hell, you know, happened, you know? But the thing is, like you said, love is love. love you know, you don't, love. you know, you don't, you can't be talking about, like, like who you're supposed to marry and this type of stuff, who you're supposed to be with. You're limiting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, going to Baldwin, he said, when I, fantas- when I fantasize about a black mayor or a black president... I think of it being better for gay people. And the first person that hit me was Obama, which I think you took a picture with him or yes, something like that. Right. But Obama was the one that opened, you know, that took away the don't ask, don't tell and say, that's hey, right. gay people can openly serve. That's right. And my being a former military person, um, being gay was the easiest way to, or, or at least saying, hey, I'm gay, is easy. What was the easiest way to get kicked out? You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So now you you, you look at uh, what they call AFN Armed mm-hmm. Forces yep. Network. You'll see LGBT Month. Right. You'll see this. And back then we used to use the word faggot freely back right. in the '80s because it was all man's world out at sea. Right. And uh, I was asking guys to say, man, since Obama did that thing, man, y'all y'all be hot. Calling each other faggot because sometimes straight people are calling each other. Oh, you faggot motherfucker! You know, yeah, just yeah. for the help. And so they say, "No, nah, man, you say that shit, you're gonna be up seeing the captain, dog. You might be, <laughs> you might, you might fuck up your career." I was like, "Wow, times have changed." But when I read that, and this was, I think this interview happened about what thirty years ago, thirty right. some years yeah, ago, old, before his death, and uh, it was sort of like, you know, I'm a law of attraction guy, also, right. you know, and it's sort of like. He planted that seed into the universe, and once we got a black president, it opened up. It did happen, yeah. Exactly. But I will yeah. say this to black homophobic people. 
I say that we should be the last motherfucking race to be discriminating toward know, anybody with all that. the shit our our ancestors went through. I know. I don't you know, know why that is. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why there's a homophobia in the black community. I think it's all about like that whole masculine thing, like trying right, to right. prove, you know, you're a real man type of thing, and it's gotten into the, you know, it's, just, it's gone the wrong direction. Right, right, right. But yeah, I mean, th- I mean, Bowman, you know, like I said, I think it's like having a relationship with another black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I, I didn't know anyone, another black gay man for such a long time that when I think about Baldwin and I think about other black gay men, it really, it took me a long time to get there to, to say that I, that I understand, like, like, like there's other people like me, there's diverse, diversity and, you know, so yeah. not really directly answer your question. <laughs> But, but no, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get you know, it. like you know, Baldwin is this uh, special person. Yeah, yeah he, he he's kind of like uh, you know he, he's kind of like the you know like he fought for you know humanity in a way. You know, he believed that people should be you know treated with dignity and respect. It's kind of hard to say anything negative about him. The only thing that you know he 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 fled the country, right? He lived. Well, I don't say he fled. I shouldn't say that. He left the country, lived overseas. So I think that gave him a good perspective. And, um, and so I think it would be good for the black community to go overseas see other and see other countries, yeah. you know, and then go back to America and be like, okay, what can we make better? And so I, I you know, Baldwin to me is kind of like, a, you know, literature person, writer, lived overseas, intellectual, kind of someone that I think um, is, you know, low-key, hardcore activist in his own way. And I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, and, and you have some resemblance there, right? So. I guess so. I guess I'm low key. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, man. Thank you. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate everything, uh, my yeah. brother. We yeah. definitely appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a pleasure talking to you. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, if you would, um, for the audience, uh, follow us, listen to us. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on pretty much any website or app you can. Yeah, any stream podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah and if you're there. gay or gay friendly or LGBT friendly, and you want to come to one of our events. Yeah, Fruits yeah. and Suits Tokyo, um, which is the Facebook group, and then we also have uh, FINs Tokyo, which is Twitter. But we have events every two months. Okay. So and our next one is November sixteenth. Okay. I'll um, put that on my calendar. Yeah, it's uh, it's in conjunction with the French Embassy. Okay. So um, it's it's for it's called Visibility for Youth. Okay. So. All right. Yeah, and uh, for all you people that's visiting Japan who are LGBT, now you know where to go. Yeah, exactly, yeah. There you go. All right. All right. Thank you, Mr. Fikes. Thank you. Thank you. Also, subscribe to us. Yeah. So we could get some love, some more love. Thank y'all for the love and Follow everything. Follow us on uh, Instagram and um, Twitter. Yep. We don't have a Facebook. But again, yeah. appreciate <laughs> your time, my brother. Yeah. Right. And you are one hard brother to catch up with. <laughs> <laughs> Not like Richard Pryor say, hard brother <laughs> to catch up with. Two